When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Doug Maurice here. This is your Thursday pod. This is our usual gotta watch the tape spot. I think you guys got used to that over the last several weeks. We're kind of taking a break on gotta watch the tape because, you know, not a lot of tape out there. Nothing much going on. We'll get back to it soon. But we're going to try to drop in a couple interviews on Thursdays here. Last week it was Chris Fedor, where Chris Fedor and I talked about comparisons between the Browns and the Cavs. This week it's Mark Ross of the NFL Network, a former NFL executive with the New York Giants. He put out a piece recently where he said the Browns have the best roster in the NFL, and that was like alarm bells going off in my head because I don't know if you guys know this about podcasts, but when you have a podcast, what you try to do is have guests on who agree with you so then you sound smarter. So I wrote this after the AFC and NFC championship games under the headline January 31st, are we sure the Cleveland Browns aren't the third best team in the NFL? And I basically said, okay, I'll, I guess I'll give you the Chiefs. I mean, I, I give you the Chiefs. I was like, I guess I'll give you the Bucks because I thought the Chiefs were going to beat the Bucks in the Super Bowl. But then it's the Browns. And that was before John Johnson and Jadavion Clowney and Anthony Walker and Troy Hill, and all the things they did to make this defense better before the draft, before Greg Newsom and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. So, I don't know, maybe I jumped the gun a little bit, but if I had him three then, and now Mark Ross has him one, you know, I think we're on the same page there. So, I think that's where we need to be. That's how we need to be thinking. So, Mark and I had a really interesting conversation, did not know Mark at all. Before this, really enjoyed it. It's half hour, talking roster building, talking about the Brown strengths, talking about how they compare to some other teams in the league. Good young teams in the AFC, for sure. And we covered that a little bit as well. But again, we're going to try to have some kind of interesting outside people. I have an offer out to a Browns person that he has said, yeah, he'll do it. So we'll try to set that up for as soon as possible. Some other invites out to sort of other you know analysts around the NFL because it's that time of year and people are analyzing. So get ready for this. Appreciate you guys being part of it. And again, Time to gear up, right? We're all, you know, a lot of you maybe listen to this on vacation, hanging out, hanging out in the back porch. It's almost time for football, though. So if you're not a Browns insider, great time to start thinking about it. I just tell people to think about it because it is a little bit of a jump, but like this is going to be a huge year. So if you go to cleveland.com slash Browns, you can look and see what you get for being a Browns insider. It's the text straight into your phone, news and analysis as it happens. It's a special newsletter that goes out every excuse me every day only to Browns insiders and then it's every story on our site because some of them are behind a paywall cuz listen we're a company we got to try to make some money right like we give you a lot of free stuff at cleveland.com but if you want it all if you want everything and if you love the Browns why wouldn't you want any everything right i mean you want it all baby they might go to the super bowl think about it go to cleveland.com/browns click on the blue banner like if you've heard people say that and you've never done it just take one of these days and be like, all right, fine. 
Dan Lobby says it all the time. Now Lay Maurice is in my ear. I'll, 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 let me, I'll look. Fine, I'll look. That's all we ask. You know, we can't. We just ask because we give you this podcast. We we appreciate you guys so much being part of it. Because um, yeah, there's lots of great outlets that cover the Browns. We know that. And when you're picking us, we think we have the best people. We do. And there's a lot of other great people, but of course we think we're the best. And we're just we're so happy that you join us and we're grateful and appreciative of that. So we love our Browns audience and we would just ask you think about being a Browns insider. All right, enough babbling, Doug. Let's get to Mark Ross from the NFL Network. Joined by Mark Ross on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Mark, smart dude, been in the league 11 years in the New York Giants front office, just 11 years with the Giants. Former scouting director, was the youngest youngest college scouting director in the NFL at age 27. Is that I right, was. Mark? With Philadelphia, yeah, Philadelphia back in the day, whenever that was. You don't want to know what I was doing when I was 27. <laughs> so 27, yeah. sc- college scouting director, you must have known your stuff. Um, yeah. So you know what it's like to try to build an NFL roster. You know the strategies behind it. You know the comprehensive view. You got to get stars. You got to have depth. You got to take risks. You got to have some assurances. And you wrote a piece for NFL.com recently where you listed your top five best rosters, most complete rosters in the NFL. And you had the Cleveland Browns at number one. Mm -hmm. And I may, Mark, it's possible, it's possible that I may have been reading that in my house saying like, I knew it. Someone (laughs) finally agrees with me. Like, cause like, what do I know? But when someone who's been around says it, we're going to get into that, but just like, how did you arrive at that? I mean, it's a great exercise to do. Let's look at all the rosters. We'll talk about the other teams you ranked in your top five, but, but were you kind of surprised that you arrived at the Browns when you finished the exercise? You know what? I think I actually think it's the Browns. Yeah. Not surprised just because I, you've seen this coming the last few years, really. And I mean, almost starting back with Sashi Brown. I know he, he remains nameless, but you know, he did so, the, all the picks he got and all that. And Dorsey had some good draft picks as well. So this has been building for years and years where you've seen uh, the transformation really. And the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway I had when I put that out is that from Cleveland people, is, it was the apprehension that no, don't do this to us kind of not again. No, we, you know, they, they've been, so you guys have been so scarred there in Cleveland that when good things happen it's only been for fleeting moments in the past but this <laughs> looks like uh, I know everyone's heard that before there but this looks like it's real and it's sustainable and because of the GM uh, Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski the head coach look like finally you've got two people that are on the same page of what you need with the ownership and it looks stable it it, it looks like it's in order it's, it looks like it's being managed and coached well to go along with the talent, which I think for Cleveland fans, you haven't really seen that. No, that's the thing. Like, it's, I, I, I try to talk and write about a lot the idea of like, listen, this is what winning football looks like. I know okay. Browns fans, you just, you haven't seen it firsthand for a while, but this is how you do it. Like there's a right. process to it. You build on success. And then I think, Mark, I'm always very curious sir, about like the, here's, here's one of my points. I think once you start doing things the right way, then you get to roll the dice a little bit. And then it's like, sometimes you've got to spend money to make money. And I look at something like the Jadavion Clowney signing. And in the past, 
you bring in a guy like that in the Browns, it would have been like, well, he's, he's got to be our savior. He's got to be the guy. And yeah. instead, it's like, well, we have Miles Garrett. And we already got Tack McKinley. And we believe in the Joe Woods defense. And we'll, we'll bring in Clowney on a one-year, one $8 million yeah. thing. Look for upside, but we're not putting the whole team on his back. And I think it like because you have Miles Garrett, you can take a smart risk on Clowney that might enhance his chances of succeeding. And Mark, I, that's isn't that what good teams that's, do? That's a that's a great point you make there because, as you mentioned, if, if you have stability and you already have a bunch of players, you know you have that core. Okay, imagine you've got the core, and then the other ones are just the, the satellites that you're you're enhancing. You got the you got the main meal, you got your steak, and now you're just doing a little app. You're doing a little water with it, putting it there. Cleveland has that core. They've got the main meal, that that big steak that they have, and now they're just. Uh, supplementing all that. And you mentioned Clowney. That's a great example where, all right, before, if someone gives Clowney big money to be the savior, that's not his role. So our Clowney's not good. He's this and that. But now, as you mentioned, if he's just being another guy on the defense and he's filling a role, the pressure is off of him. The money's not being spent in him. He doesn't have to be the guy. His value increases. Whereas if he's supposed to be the guy, then he's not the same value. So with this Cleveland team, and, and we had this with the Giants where, all right, we've got a stable core of, of vets. We can take a risk, let's just say, in a draft on a guy with some character issues or work with that veteran group. Um, you know, even with the Eagles, we had so we had Donovan McNabb was the quarterback. And, well, we're going to mention his draft and who Cleveland took with the first pick. But, uh, we'll, we'll, um, you know, and then you had a, a great group in the secondary with Troy Vincent and, and Brian Dawkins and, those guys, you had stability, and okay, we can take chances to supplement the roster as opposed to making the wild card guys, the risky guys, the core of your team. So I, I think the way that Cleveland is set up, that was a perfect spot for Clowney, for Tack McKinley, because they're just filling roles and the expectations aren't on them as much as if a team would assign those guys in free agency to be the man. I, I'm, I could talk roster building for 10 hours. I mean, like from from the beginning of what Sashi Brown did this, and, and I've said this, you know, it's like Sashi Brown had him on a path. They chose to deviate. Yeah. John Dorsey did some stuff then. Listen, John Dorsey makes the Nick Chubb pick. He makes the Odell Beckham trade. You kind of go, it's a little more go for it strategy. And then they come back to this Andrew Barry path. And it wasn't a straight path, but there's contributions from yeah. different regimes that lead them to where they are today. And I'm very interested in sort of what you said about this core, the, the idea of pillars. And if you get, I've, I've been trying to figure out and, and doing some research on like how many pillars does a really good team that has like an extended winning window really have? How many guys do you have that you really keep? And I thought maybe it might only be like two or three, but in doing some research, it feels to me more, it's like maybe six, maybe seven. And I'm trying to think if you get Miles Garrett, you have Denzel Ward, you have Baker Mayfield, you have Nick Chubb, maybe Jedrick Wills at left tackle. You know, if you count maybe like Jack Conklin or, or John Johnson as like a young free agent you bring in there, you build that core. And then, like you said, then it's just Andrew Barry filling holes every year. Where do you get value? Where can you find the guy? Because you can't – I've been trying to prepare Browns fans. Listen, they got to try to win a Super Bowl first. But when you're good, you have to be ready to lose good players. Right. But Jadavion right. Clowney is not a long-term answer here. No. But you roll the dice. You hope he has 12 sacks this year, and then he's going to go get a multi-year deal somewhere else but yeah. everybody wins that core. How many, how many players do you think are really part of that core? And when you were looking at this Browns roster, 
how important, or you're trying to figure out the best roster in the NFL, how important is assessing a core of a team, the guys that everybody else kind of is circles around? Yeah. Well, that, well when I looked at the, the, the core of the Browns, that's why I, I put them number one because, and I said this in the article, each position group is really at least one or maybe two Pro Bowl caliber players. I'm not saying they're all going to make, but caliber, that kind of caliber when you look at every single position group, maybe set defensive tackle, but, um, and it's like, wow, you know, they really constructed this in a way that they have the players that the other teams have some stars and some better players at certain positions, but just top to bottom, you know, that was the exercise and that they had that. And you talk about the pillars. It's all about how good your number one pillar is. And that's the quarterback. Yep. And everything gets back to the quarterback. Whenever I analyze teams, whenever I talk about games, whenever I talk about organizations and franchises and philosophies and culture, it all goes back to how good your quarterback is. And I've been beneficial of my career. I had Donovan McNabb for most of the time I was with the Eagles and then Eli Manning. So I saw what that looked like. I saw how to build teams around those guys. If you study Super Bowl winning teams, they all got the same for the most part. There's always exceptions, but the core is the quarterback. Tom Brady's still winning Super Bowls because he's Tom Brady. So with the Browns, they do have a lot of pillars, but it still will get down to how well Baker plays. And if he will continue on the path that he did last year, that he showed last year, if he keeps getting better, hopefully the addition, you know, OBJ coming back will, will have him even better. So, the better Baker Mayfield is next year, um, the better the Browns will be. But that being said, they do have – I mean, they may have about 10 guys that you look at and say, this is an unbelievable core, young core group of players. Again, we're talking with Mark Ross, NFL Network analyst. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mark Ross, M-A-R-C-R-O-S-S. Mark, when you did this list, the other your other teams in the top five, number two, Tampa, number three, Kansas City, Number four, the Los Angeles Chargers. Number five, Buffalo. So obviously Tampa's number two with the greatest quarterback ever. Kansas City's number three with the greatest quarterback right now. And then the Chargers and Buffalo, I think probably most people in the league would say that Justin Herbert and Josh Allen as young quarterbacks probably have maybe more upside than Baker Mayfield, right? So when you were evaluating this, and and that you bring up just Eli Manning as a quarterback that you have worked with, Mm-hmm. You know, this is not a shot at Eli, but I don't know that Eli was ever that people ever say, oh, he's one of the three best quarterbacks in the league, one of the five best quarterbacks in the league. <laughs> but you could win a Super Bowl with him. Baker, it's a hard line because I think sometimes Browns fans, it's like, hey, you know, he's great. And it's like, OK, well, he just he doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes You're right, right. for them to win a Super Bowl. But there is whatever level, there's a minimum level he has to be at. He probably has to be a top 10 guy. He has to be a winning guy. Just You said, obviously, the quarterback is the number one thing. When you thought about this ranking, and again, it's Baker versus Brady, Mahomes, Herbert, and Allen. How did that affect it? Because maybe maybe Baker's the fifth best quarterback in that group of five, but yet the Browns are number one. Yeah, and that's the way I looked at it where – you definitely, if you're just ranking the, the QBs, he would have been fifth in that group. And Herbert and what he did as a rookie and, and Josh Allen, the transformation that he has made, which I did not see coming at all. And if anyone 
told you they saw that in Josh Allen, they'd be lying to you. You know, I think even people in the Bills building were like, uh, I don't know about this right now with this guy, but the transformations he's made has been unbelievable. Um, yeah, and Baker is not as talented as those guys. You know, he just won't take over a game with his just overwhelming, you know, athleticism or playmaking out the pocket. But as long as he is, and then I like Baker coming out of the OU, is he he's efficient and makes plays at the right time in games, third downs, fourth quarter. And I think he can do that. And that's what you need. You can't out scheme and out system people. Your quarterback has to make plays and Baker will have to make plays in pressure situations for this team to succeed. Uh, but just getting back to the rankings, even though he probably is fifth quarterback, just the overall get the, the exercise with the overall strength and depth of these teams, which has the best all around team, not just one transcendent star because Mahomes have been the, the chiefs have been number one. Yeah, I say that in order. They have been number one, two and three. If I was just going off of the quarterback uh, and he, Again, the better Patrick Mahomes, his stardom, you can have a lot of holes in the other positions because he is so great. Um, but those other teams on the list also have strong rosters or just not top to bottom, in my view, like the Browns have. I think, Mark, your exercise almost to me is the perfect illustration of Baker Mayfield. That Listen, he's the fifth best quarterback on this list of five teams. But he's close enough. He's good enough. Right. He has enough upside. He's efficient enough. You believe in him enough that it allows the Browns to be ranked number one on your list. Because yeah. sometimes we can play who has the best quarterback. And who has the best yeah. quarterback is important, but it's not the same thing as who has the best team. And sometimes I think media yeah. fans can all fall into that. Yeah, without a doubt. And and again, you're not falling off from those other four to – Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I'll just mention him because I did a, a Washington radio show this morning and they're all in a frenzy about this Ryan Fitzpatrick thing because I said, you know, why would you want to roll the dice on a guy that's been in the league with nine different teams in 16 years and never a playoff game? So you're not going from you know those four down that. Baker is still in that group of, you know, almost on the cusp of that mid-tier top to, mm -hmm. you know, if he keeps going, he's in that group. So it's not like you're falling off a cliff. So, um and, and you mentioned Eli, and, and that, so when I was with Philly, we had a really strong team, but we went to games on offense where Donovan basically like, hey, go win his games. Whereas with the, the with the Giants, it was more so, okay, Eli, don't throw interceptions, make some timely plays. Our defense will will, will get it done, and we'll win in that way. Um, so I, I've had it two different ways, and I've seen it two different ways. Uh, now the times where Eli threw picks and all that, that's why it was so up and down. The final, that was the difference. Um, and, and um, with Baker, I think he has more playmaking ability in him uh, than a little bit that he's going to give him credit for. But I, I think his efficiency and timely playmaking will, will be the key to the Browns' success this year. I want to talk about the offensive line a bit because, you know, there certainly was a lot of discussion last year. Did the Browns have the best offensive line in football? I mean, they're certainly in the conversation, I, I, I think. Maybe. Yeah, I think maybe they're number one. They bring all five starters back, which is hard to do. And I just it, it is such a foundational piece of what they do. And I was doing an exercise the other day where we were sort of drafting players in the AFC North. 
not only do I think they have the best line, like with Pouncey retiring and a couple other things happening in the division, you know, Ronnie Stanley's still a great player, obviously, in Baltimore. I think the Browns might have like five of the best, like eight overall offensive linemen in the whole division, right? That it really helped me crystallize like, man, they're not just good. Like they are really good. Everybody can say, oh, you got to build with the offensive line, you know, like that, especially with the young quarterback. When you see the way this offensive line came together, though, right? They draft Wills, Jedrick Wills in the top 10. They have the huge free agent signing with Conklin. Batonio has been a foundational piece. Treader was a smart move. And then, like, Wyatt Teller, again, is just John Dorsey. Like, that is a pluck that you can't count on. And my gosh, you yeah. get that guy for basically nothing at the end of camp and look what he's done. What do you see when you look at the Browns offensive line, especially maybe in the context of the rest of the NFL? Obviously that was one of the contributing factors to why they're number one on your list. Yeah, it's, they've got a bunch of good players. Uh, Their system is good, but it's also, as you mentioned, offensive line is always important. Every every team talks about that, but particularly with the Browns, the way they run the ball. So again, if you've got a transcendent quarterback and you're throwing it all the time, Mahomes. He can make up for most of that. We saw in the Super Bowl, he can't make up for, you know, JPP and Shaq Barrett and all those guys, and he almost did it. But you can get away with it a little bit more, whereas with the Browns running the ball so much, the great backs are really almost as good or great as their offensive line, and we've seen that over and over. A great back gets stuck behind a bad O-line, and, and he's just an average back. So, uh, you, you know, I think Nick Chubb is third, fourth best running back in the NFL. Kareem Hudson, top ten, you know, those, those two guys are – are stars, but it, it all goes down to if they had a bad O-line in front of them, those guys would not be as productive. So even more important for a team that likes to run the ball like Cleveland does, you have to have the O-line, and they've done a fantastic job addressing that. And then also the tight ends. I mean, just throwing those guys in the mix too um, with, with with Hooper and Bryant. Just, you know, they've, they've built it the right way to – they know the strengths of what they're trying to do, and they put the pieces together um, – to supplement their philosophy, their style, and not just mixing and matching players who don't really fit what they do. The running backs, as you mentioned, I mean, the best pairing in the NFL. I don't know that anybody would dispute that. And again, how it happened, you get a guy early in the second round, and then we know the Kareem Hunt situation, and they take a risk, and he falls in their lap because of off-field issues. I think, you know, an analytically inclined front office and whatever that means, but we know the Browns care about that kind of thing. I don't know if in a, in a vacuum, that's where they would spend a huge amount of their resources from a salary cap standpoint to pay. You know, they have Kareem Hunt on a very manageable deal, but Nick Chubb's waiting for a contract here. But it feels like, all right, well, because of who they are, because of the style of play, because of the quarterback they have, it feels like to me, well, in this situation, like it is whatever you got to do. It's like you keep Chubb and Hunt together and you pay the price. And it's like, I don't care what the in a vacuum, what you would do as you're building a roster here. I think, Mark, sometimes you have a plan, but then sometimes you have to look at who you have and say, well, I'm not starting from scratch and getting a new group of 53 guys. I've inherited some guys and I've got to accentuate our strengths and cover up our weaknesses. I think for this team, paying Chubb and Hunt makes sense. What, what would you do? How would you allocate running back resources given what the roster looks like? Yeah. You, you say, you know, that's always, it's been the new thing the last, whatever many years, five, 10 years, like don't take first round running back. Don't pay big money for running backs, but you know, there's always exceptions to the rule. There's always exceptions to your philosophy. And, 
you, everyone does it. Everyone deviates a little bit from, okay, this is what our initial plan is. This is what historically has made sense, but it has to make sense for where you are as a team. Now, if the Browns now go four and 12 next year, four and 13 next year, and you're like, do you want to pay two running backs? Of course not. But if they're right there again and they feel like they can keep building, uh, if they're, they make the playoffs and make it to the AFC championship game and make it to the Super Bowl and, hey, let's bring them all back like Tampa Bay did. Um, so you have to look at your team for where it is at that time, certainly with eyes on the future. And then that's what's it's incumbent on Andrew Barry and his crew to say, OK, we're planning a few years out from now. Who, who do we prioritize if we get into this position? Who do we prioritize? And it may be where Kareem Hunt has to go or, uh, you know, they get a trade for him. So you never know what's going to happen in the next offseason and down the line. And also Andrew Barry and his crew. Can we replace these guys in the draft? Do we feel confident enough in our scouting department that if we lose one of these players, that we can fill the fill the gap with someone else that we another guy we get in the second, third round? Um, so, you're, so you're looking at the financials of it long term, if you can handle it, and also the strength of your scouting staff to say, uh, you know, can we fill this position of need once again uh, in the draft? I want to touch on a couple of things on the defensive side of the ball. I thought going into the off season, I mean, obviously Andrew Barry reshaped the whole defense, basically nine new starters, but I thought a safety to sort of tie everything together to let Joe Woods do what he wants to do as a defensive coordinator. You know, we know the corners are going to get their money and they're so vital, but I just thought the John Johnson signing in the end, like made so much sense for this team Again, when you were evaluating the Browns in this way and looking at the defensive side of the ball, you know, Miles Garrett's Miles Garrett. Denzel Ward, I think, has a lot of upside still left at corner, but it feels like like John Johnson to me is like, man, that just settles a lot down. How important do you think that signing was? Yeah, I love that signing. And, you know, safeties, you know, we, we talk a lot about that, but just. I love the John Johnson sign because he he wasn't just a free agent, you know, the number one safety on the board or whatever, but he came from the best defense in the NFL. So that means something. He didn't come from the worst defense and he was a star. And you're trying to think, okay, what if we put him around it? Guys that play around other great guys and on great defense, they know uh, what that is with this. Like we talk about rock, what it feels like. They know what that feels like. He knows how to lead other great players. He knows how to be uh, the glue with other great players and a great defense. So, that signing was tremendous to me because he's stepping right into a role that he knows what to do. It's not, can, can, is there hope that John Johnson can be this guy for a defense? You know, he can, because he's shown he can do it. And even Troy Hill, just that signing of he coming from that defense uh, as well. And, you know, a state when we were, when I was with the giants and we signed Antro role in free agency one year and he was the glue, he put all that together. We had those guys up front. We had some young corners, but he came in there and just, stabilized everyone together and was a playmaker for our defense, a leader and signal caller and everything. When we went, uh, won the Super Bowl in 2011, when I was with Philly, we had Brian Dawkins, you know, tons of players everywhere, but the hall of fame safety, he, he covered up a lot and just, just led. So with Johnson, I think it's tremendous, but also just the Greg Newsom first round pick. I'd love <laughs> him as well. And, uh, you know, I, I think maybe my second or third corner in, in the entire draft. So, uh, again, I, I, that, that's uh, keep getting back to the roster and how good the roster is. And I just go through each position and just look at the guys. It's like, man, it, those are players everywhere. 
And I do think in the end, Mark, like, you know, there's the upside that you look at when you're doing a roster evaluation, but there's like the lack of holes, right? It's like, cause I, I think I would imagine Mark, you know, when you're in the front office, you know, you're not going to be one through 22 yeah. with the starting lineup and one through 44 with your two deep. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to have yeah. some areas where you're like, all right, well, you know, we hope this holds together, but I don't, you know, linebacker is a little less certain, but I think between yeah. Anthony Walker and Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa and yeah. Malcolm Smith and Jacob Phillips, like they got enough, especially yeah. if they play three safeties a lot. Um, but that's the thing that has stood out with me for the Browns. It's like, there's not a gaping hole. There's yeah. like, like, oh, it's not quite, but it's like the yeah. line's really good. Depth at receiver, depth at running back. You believe in the quarterback, depth at tight end. You know, maybe defensive tackle, but again, I think you have four guys you think that yeah. can rotate there. Like, that's yeah. the thing. That must have factored in when you're doing this, right, Mark? It's like lack of a gaping Definitely. hole. Definitely. It's, it's, there's certain positions where you can get away with guys being serviceable. And, you, and as you mentioned, you're not going to have stars. You have, every team has strengths and weaknesses on their team. Tampa Bay won a Super Bowl. You look at their running back group, ah, that's all right. You know, you look at certain other spots, they're okay. So, but they won the Super Bowl. Kansas City, same thing. You look at a bunch of their position groups, they're not that great, but they're serviceable and they get through and the strengths of your team outweigh the weaknesses. And that's how better teams that they have more strengths or their strengths are so strong, they outweigh the weaknesses. And with, uh, you mentioned, the offensive line, how good the offensive line is. And maybe none of those guys are stars like some other, the Ronnie Stanley's of the world. But when you've got a group of guys that are all just pretty good right there, then the defense can't really attack that group. Where do we go to attack them? Whereas if you've got one star and four bums or, or just even one or two, you're like, we're going to attack that, that, that offensive, you know, offensive line right here and cripple their offense because these guys, this guy can't hold up. So, uh, the, the better teams have less glaring, glaring holes. They all have holes. It's just the, the amount and the severity uh, of those holes. And, again, with, with Cleveland, I just didn't see any glaring holes. Andrew Barry is the guy who pulled this all together. As a young general manager in this league, look, what, do you, what do you think of Andrew Barry? Well, I love Andrew. I just, um, you know, what he's done, the demeanor, the the stability that he's brought there. Um, he's an Ivy League guy, so I, I got to stick up for him. I'm a Princeton guy. Um, so he, he um, you know, I think he was the right guy at the right time for that job. And you look at the, the other two GMs, his, his predecessors, and they've all been different. And, you know, the great thing about Andrew, I think he's he's taken and learned from everywhere he's been and even being here in Cleveland before to say, okay, this is the way to do it. And, um, you know, I, I, he doesn't seem phased. And the relationship, it seems, that he and Kevin Stefanski has, I think that's critical for any organization for to have two strong voices, uh, r- really a bunch more than that. But with your GM and your head coach are both strong, independent voices, but work together for the good of the team. And that, that's what it looks like is going on there in Cleveland now. You're not, you're not just an Ivy league guy, Mark. You're, you're on Princeton's all time team, right, <laughs> man. I mean, like you are a Princeton legend. Don't, don't sell yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I legend in my own mind, but uh, no, I, <laughs> I, I did my research. Yeah, I like uh, it. I like it. I appreciate that. Doug. Uh, so uh, I'll finish with this Mark, because again, I, I, I mean, I love this stuff, but I do think, so this was your like best teams, most complete rosters looking at the players, where are their holes, where are their yep. strengths, that kind of thing. 
that's not exactly the same thing as who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Because yeah. there's your schedule, there's your division, there's luck, there's mm-hmm. how much you lean on your quarterback play, there's coaching, yep. there's culture, there's all kinds of things that go into it. So obviously, I mean, I you know, anybody who's paying attention knows the Browns are a Super Bowl contender. Yep. But, and I'm not asking you to make a Super Bowl pick, but there's still a part of this like, man, the Browns, I think, can absolutely hang with anybody. But man, Mahomes is Mahomes. You know, like there's a part of that too, right? That it's like, I think the Browns are going to be really good this year. I think they can win the Super Bowl, but having the best roster and getting over the top for a town, for a city, for a franchise, like that it hasn't ever happened. You know, I don't think they're held back by the past, but also Patrick Mahomes has been in a bunch of big games. He's won, he's lost, he knows what it's like. You know, winning a playoff game, I think the Browns did establish a foundation last year, but they're not quite on the Chiefs level or Tom Brady's level when it comes to winning all the games you need to win in the playoffs. So I just that that there is a difference, right, between like your Super Bowl pick and who has like the best group of players. Yeah, without a doubt. And you never again, you mentioned Mahomes. I'm never counting Mahomes out. I'm picking him all day as long as that guy's playing and they've got a somewhat of a semblance of a roster around him. I'm, I'm picking Mahomes and also Andy Reid. I worked with Andy for eight years in Philly and uh, what he's proven and what he's done as a head coach and an innovative head coach. So in my view, they're the favorites. But then you got the group with with Cleveland and Buffalo. And um, I think the Chargers will be on the rise. Uh, you know, Baltimore, I've got some serious questions about then and, and if they were going to be as good this year. Um so you got you have to look at it like that. But I think they have the pieces. They have the, the QB. They've got the talent. They've got the head coach. They've got the stability now to make a serious push. And they hung with KC. We know Mahomes was was out. But any young team, and especially a team like the Browns, who have not had a lot of success historically, the confidence part of it is so critical. The not we're hoping this year we can do it. It's the all right, we know we can win a playoff game now. That's mentally going. We know we can do that. That's our standard. Let's let's get more than that. We hung with Kansas City before. Maybe they thought we can't hang with them, but whether Mahomes was in there or not, now we can do it. All right, let's take that next step. And when I was with Philly, when drafted Donovan, set we were three and thirteen, and next year six and eleven, one got to the playoffs, won a playoff game, then lost. The confidence you build each year is is almost as valuable as you have to have the talent number one definitely, but you need the confidence that you can do it. And I think the Browns are in that spot where they know they can do it now. It's not the same old Browns. It's not the history. It's we can do it. And that's the way they have to approach this season. I'll ask you one last question here. Cause I'm just fascinated by this game. Cause your list really piqued my interest for this again, four of the five teams on your list are AFC teams. So it's like, it's great for the Browns, right? We, we were sort of looking, you know, a couple of years ago, it's like, okay, well, big Ben's getting a little bit older and Joe Flacco's going to leave Baltimore and the Browns are going to ascend maybe while other teams are on the way down. And it's like, well, then Lamar Jackson comes in and he's an MVP. And it's like, all right, well, the, I mean, there's John Harbaugh actually going anywhere. And now Joe Burrow looks like a keeper in Cincinnati. So you've just got to take care of your business. You can't hope for other teams to be bad, right. but this is a good young AFC. There's some good young AFC teams and there's some good young AFC quarterbacks, a lot of focus has been on that Browns opener at Kansas City. I just think that's a tough ask for the Browns. The Chiefs are going to be mad the way they lost the Super Bowl. Mahomes is going to be healthy. It's one of the best home field environments in the league. And I'm just yeah. telling people, man, I think the Browns might get blown out in that game. And it won't mean anything. The yeah. Browns, I still think, can like lose that game and go 13-4. and four. Right. But with your list, putting the Chargers fourth, 
week five, I think it is Browns at chargers on October 10th chargers. A lot of injuries last year, some great young defensive talent. We talked about Justin Herbert. I think that will be a super interesting game of two teams that a lot of people think are on the rise in the AFC. I think we'll get a pretty good read from the Browns and the chargers in that matchup. Yeah. Without a doubt. They're definitely a team that, and that's why I wrote them in there. They were under the radar because they had seven wins last year and they had seven losses on one possession games. And if you got, if you remember the chargers games last year, they had some historic blown losses that, you know, most of those seven losses were, we got the ball to one yard line with a yard to go. Let's throw five <laughs> passes at back of the, you know, if you remember those losses they had. So if they would have just, won three of those they, they're in the playoffs with that whole crew with a lot of players hurt and that rookie quarterback and not know what they're doing so when I took a step back and looked at like wow they've got a lot of talent there and they should have a top five quarterback trans if this guy keeps going Justin Herbert keeps going um so that's why I put them right in there but you're you're right they're at different places Cleveland has done it they did it as I mentioned they did it now the Chargers have to do it and show that they belong so they're in a different kind of mindset, new head coach there, new coordinators and all that in, in uh, L.A. So they've got a whole different set of issues that they have to deal about, whereas the Browns have a lot more continuity and should be a step ahead. But um, when you, you'll, you'll, that, that will be a fascinating game and fun to watch for sure. He's Mark Ross, former NFL executive, now an analyst with the NFL Network. Again, follow his work and his writing on Twitter at M-A-R-C-R-O-S-S. Mark, I contained myself. I'm, I'm going to pat myself <laughs> on the back because NFL roster building, I think, might be my favorite thing to talk about. Wow. Possibly I've heard in, that. in the world. Maybe in the world. <laughs> I also like Disney World a lot. I like talking about Disney World rides, but oh. this is like right there with it. Salary cap management and the tough choices you have to make and the drafting guys at what positions and a, a, how you allocate assets. I love it. And and the Browns have been super interesting when it comes yeah. to that the last couple of years. And like, here they are, like yeah, whatever they did, it worked. Yeah. They're a fascinating team. And I, and I wish, I hope, like, again, I mentioned before, I've got some good friends on the staff. And uh, so I, I, I wish them all the best and they're going to be fun to watch either way. But, but Doug, Disney is one of your favorite things to do. I just had a friend go last week that he's taking his kids to Disney world. And uh, I'm like, I'm glad those days are over for me. Well, Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, oh, Mark, I'll take you. You got to go to Disney with me. I'll show you how it's done, man. That's how you have a good time. Um, yeah, well, that's a separate Disney podcast. Yeah, yeah. Mark Ross, great, great talking with you, man. Really My fun. Pleasure. Great piece. And I, it's not just because you ranked the Browns number one. It's because you had a nice, because you had a smart, comprehensive analysis of NFL rosters, which was a great thing to read in the middle of the summer. Um, thanks so much for everything. And again, everybody listen to this, make sure you're following Mark on Twitter at Mark Ross. Mark, I hope we can do this again down the line. Definitely. Definitely. My pleasure, Doug. So thanks to Mark Ross for that. Make sure you're back for the Friday podcast. Mary Kay Cabot and I drafting two squads from the Browns defense. Last Friday, we did it for the Browns offense. This time I had the first pick. Listen, I'll, I, I took Miles Garrett. Of course I took Miles Garrett. How did the rest of that draft go? Make sure you catch that on the Friday podcast. And for those of you sick of my voice, Dan Lobby will be back from vacation next week. And then I think he has another vacation coming up, and then you'll get sick of me again. But anyway, it's been fun hanging out with you guys. We'll do Mary Kate tomorrow, but thanks to Mark Ross for that. 
Thanks to you guys for listening to the Orange and Proud Talk podcast.